Okay, you're back. I'm back. But before we get into it, you know I had to look it up, right? Rafiki was a baboon. If you listened to episode two, you know the reference I'm talking about. If you didn't, this is going to make sense a little bit later. I just couldn't think of that word at all last time. Yes, Rafiki was a baboon. Rafiki from Lion King. Shout out to The Lion King for being one of my favorite movies and one of the greatest stories ever told of all time. Forget the fact that it was a cartoon, but the entire story, the development, the voices, the animation, all of it. Perfection. One of my favorite, favorite movies. I never knew cartoons could get me emotional. But anyway, (laughs) so these first three episodes of Life Beyond the Braids are connected. I want to get the story of my journey into cosmetology out of the way so that, you know, we can move on to other topics. But this story, I guess, is just one of the most common things that I'm asked because a lot of people are curious about career changing or how I did it and just want to know more about, you know, the emotional part of it. And so I'm like, let me get this out of the way as a good start to my podcast. And this BC trilogy is a great way to just share my story in three separate parts. And remember, BC is my made up abbreviation for before cosmetology. It does not mean before Christ. (laughs) Okay, cool. So back to the story. Now, the last episode, I left off right when I got to Tiffany's. So boom, there I was starting work as a seasonal employee. And I felt like I was in a movie. To be clear, a seasonal employee does not have benefits and we were hired just for the holiday season because as you know, all retail stores have an influx of sales and guests during the holidays and Tiffany's is no different. So they hire a lot of people between October and November-ish and you stay there until the end of January, early February. Most people that work there start as seasonal employees. So it's like another fun fact to know um, in case, you know, retail is something that a young adult in your life might be looking to get into or to break into that world. Look it up. I don't know if it's true. Remember, these stories are from years ago. But anyway, we're literally trained on how to tie their signature bow. That training, I think, was a week So I'm already like, oh, this is nice. (laughs) Like it's, it's a trademark process. Other stores have bows on their boxes, but there's a certain way that Tiffany's does it so that it collapses once you pull one end of the string, you know? And if I tell you more, I'll have to kill you. So just trust me. It's a process. The brand is obviously iconic and one of the most recognizable names and colors in luxury retail. So me leaving the hustle and bustle of the diamond district with all the men in the, you know, the stores and calling out, we buy diamonds and all of that to, to leave that and level it up basically and step up to a building that I've never even thought about walking into before was a little trippy because I stay in my lane you know like the movie Breakfast and Tiffany's I never watched it which is I feel like I should watch it just on GP but you know how some people window shop and daydream I only know that it's part of the movie because it's like an iconic scene uh, with her staring into the glass yeah that ain't me 
I'm not staring into no glasses of things that I cannot afford, right? <laughs> like, I'm just not doing it. When it comes to Fifth Avenue in general, being one of the most popular and expensive avenues in the world, I would have no reason to stare into the window of Fendi, Gucci, and Prada, hoping one day to buy a shoe. I am not Carrie Bradshaw. And even though I understand that type of person, and I probably know that type of person, I am not her. For me, daydreaming is about puppies. <laughs> like I daydream about the stars, the moons. I'm a let's go to Africa type person. You feel me? I spend money on a trip or an experience. Okay. There are times that in my phone, you would just find pictures of the sunset and trees and clouds. That to me is daydreaming. Slow motion videos of the ocean, <laughs> not bags and shoes. I get where people like that are coming from. I just be coming from somewhere else. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people who love high fashion don't love sunsets. But what I'm saying is that working at Tiffany's felt a little intimidating and out of my element because I'm just a girl from Flatbush who used to go to the mall and maybe a little boutique in the village. And if you know New York City, you know the village was the place to be. Now, do you remember Atrium? Atrium was where you could feel expensive as a young person and get the high ticketed jeans. And you remember Joe jeans? Like there were places in the city that you would go. But Fifth Avenue to me, no, that was just, that was not it. It, it To me, that's where the white pe rich white people went. And that was just that. Not my circus, not my monkeys. It gives very much you can't sit with us vibes and you very much can't because it'll cost you. Okay, like make no mistake. Sidebar though, Bergdorf and Fifth Saks Fifth Avenue. Yes, I have gone in there. Why? They got popping bathrooms. So if you're ever in Manhattan and need to use the bathroom, go to one of those fancy places. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> so everything is top tier on Fifth Avenue, um, specifically in that little strip midtown. Um, so stepping inside of Tiffany's was obviously no different. The inside of that building has super high ceilings. The carpets are always perfectly vacuumed. There's an elevator person in Tiffany's. Like, what? You're not finding a loose penny on the floor. Because if you shop in there and really, really have money to spend, you're not even using cash. People are using cards. Um, the counters are wiped clean every day. The employees who greeted the guests are always well-groomed. It's just part of the image and the brand and the experience, right? Um, it looks like a land of make-believe, truly. And everything is just, it's perfection. Chef's kiss, right? And then there's me, a girl from Flatbush with a suit from The Limited, right? <laughs> but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I did my job. I was a seasonal employee doing sales on the mail, main, ugh, excuse me, main floor, selling perfume. And not many people even know that Tiffany's sells perfume, but they do. There's a whole floor dedicated to non-jewelry items like scarves and shades. Yes, shades, wallets. You know, dishware and glassware, things for the home, all of the things. But I was on the main floor, which is one of the busiest besides the silver floor. Um, but sometimes I think people didn't even realize there wasn't upstairs or where to go. They would just want to come in to say they were in and take pictures. Like you could imagine, I probably met people from all over the world just coming in there to say they're in Tiffany's. And as exciting as it was, you know, I got over it quickly because 
How many times can you explain to a tourist they can't just buy the box? Like they would come into the store and just the a box box I could buy box and I'm like no you can buy product <laughs> so yeah here's the thing though I knew I was there for a short period of time so it was important for me to have people know my name you know sometimes it's not about who you know it's about who knows you do you feel me like say that again I'm gonna say that one more time just so you catch that sometimes it's not about who you know it's who knows you so that was one of the first times I started to step out of my comfort because remember I'm coming from a job at GIA where I sat at a desk and I worked very much alone you're not encouraged to talk to people you did your job and you went home so but now I'm grinding for people to know who I am because I know my time is ticking Every day was a day closer to the season being over and me being, you know, sent home and that's it. I'm back home. And guess what? It paid off because after I got let go, as everybody did, because the season was over, I got called back for a full time job. Hey, my gamble of leaving my full time paid off because there I was now working at this amazing company and I couldn't believe it. I was hired as a quality insurance inspector. So I was back working with a microscope, looking at diamonds. And this is now where the Rafiki reference comes in. I have so much things that I could say, but I'm really hitting a few key points in my story to to let you see how life is crazy, right? So Rafiki, his real name was Muhammad. I just call him Rafiki, talking to my friends because... It's just funny. And he would do things like Rafiki. So what I mean by that is he was an older gentleman, not old, but, you know, older gentleman, a security guard. And he would always see me and just smile. Such a pretty smile. And I mean, mind you, he smiled at everyone and spoke to everyone. But for some reason, he just started to strike up a little more and more conversation with me every time he would see me. And we had no reason to talk, truly. Besides the fact that we were co-workers, I didn't cross his path necessarily. So it wasn't creepy that he would just say hi and talk to me. But sometimes the way it would happen, I would be like, this is so interesting. Like, I don't see him often, but he would always have a little story or a little life lesson to give me. Very random and always brief. And those were the moments that that started me, that made me think, yo, he is just like Rafiki. He would say things then point to the sky and do a little laugh and walk away. And it didn't help that he had a slight accent. So you remember in Lion King when Rafiki told Simba to look at his reflection in the water? And Simba's like, I don't don't get it. I don't see anything. And Rafiki was like, look harder. (laughs) Like, he would say things like that to me. And I'm like Simba. I'm like, I don't get it. I I don't see anything. But that's when he would just laugh and point up to the sky and walk away. So one day he asked me for my birthday details. Then he said, well, I'm going to do some math and tell you something later. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. I know now that he was doing numerology type things and figuring out my path number and things like that. But at the time I was clueless. So when I saw him, he looked at me and he smiles and he said, oh, Camilla, You are something special. I knew it. And I'm still clueless. But he tells me, I'll explain later. 
Now, have you ever looked into numerology? Do you know anything about it? I know a little more now, but apparently based on your birth given name and the time you were born and, you know, numbers like that, we all have a life path and purpose based on the numbers. Each letter of our name is assigned a number and boiled down to a single digit. But it's not as simple as it sounds, meaning just because the letter D is the fourth letter of the alphabet doesn't mean the the number for D is the number four. It's like way more detailed than that. So anyway, he sees me later and we sit in the lunchroom. So this is like one of the first times we're intentionally sitting down to talk. He tells me based on my name and birthday that I am so powerful. He's like, Camilla, you are taller than this building. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) He's like, you are more powerful than this building. And I'm like, what does this, like, you know, okay, what does this mean though? And then he goes on to say that my mission in life is so big that it, it can't even be contained in this building. He's like, this is not your last stop. I'm, you're not tied up into something like this. And I'm just smiling like, okay, this sounds exciting. And he smiles and he says, my purpose in life and the impact that I'll make is huge. And that anything I touch turns to gold. I'm a master creator. I'm like, all right, Mohammed, stop. Because <laughs> now you sound like those guys that hold the door for you when you're walking into a bodega and they hit you with the good morning queen because they want a dollar and a coffee. And I'm not saying he was BSing me, but I'm just saying a lot of the things were sounding a little cliche, but he was not smiling. I told you he always smiled at me. He was just looking at me like, you don't even understand. And I didn't. So fast forward, he sees me another day and he does the Rafiki thing. He's like, I have something to tell you. So I'm like, okay, I love your stories. He goes, you are a whale. I bust out laughing. I'm like, I'm a whale. Mohammed, all right. Today's story is that I'm a whale. He said, yes. Camilla, you are a whale. Where do whales live? Now, I don't know if you saw Lion King or not, but if Rafiki is asking you something that seems simple as where does a whale live, you know the answer is not going to be as obvious as it seems. So even though I instinctively knew whales live in the ocean, I answered as if I wasn't sure. I'm like, whales live in water. (laughs) He's like, but what type of water? I'm like, wet water? (laughs) He's laughing. He's like, yes, 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 yes. But it's deep water. So I'm like, okay, yes, whales live in deep water. So then he asks me, do you ever notice what is around the whales when they're in the water? And I'm like, listen, we're going to be here all day if you're doing this step-by-step thing. No, I don't know what is around a whale in the water. And he says, with his finger pointing, smaller fish. So I'm like, okay, I'm following. And then this is where it got interesting. So he asks me next, do I know why the whale doesn't follow the small fish? It's always the small fish following the whale. So I'm like, okay, no. And he says, because small fish can swim in both shallow water and deep water. A whale 
can only swim in deep water. You, Camilla, are a whale. Don't follow small fish. Then he laughed and pointed to the sky and walked away. I was like, sir, sir, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Like that story, out of all of the things he told me, stayed with me the longest. The other thing that he told me was that he had a dream about me. And of course, at first I'm like, all right, wait a minute. You had a dream about me. But when he shared the dream, he told me, that he saw me at a dinner table serving people and my family, but I had no knees. And I'm like, interesting. And he interpreted that to mean that I put other people's wants before my own. So I literally serve and put myself last and I lack the confidence to stand up for myself. And I'm like, yo, because little did he know it was a very true feeling. Right. By the time and I by the time he and I, sorry, became close enough for him to share things like that, I was unhappy at my fancy luxury job. I was truly at a stage that I was thinking about life and what my career was becoming or not becoming. And I was rethinking this whole gamble to leave my job and be hired full time at my new job because here I was unhappy again, getting restless, feeling like a failure you know, questioning the whole idea of this is what it is to be an adult. I would spend my days emailing my friends to complain about work. And I didn't care if they caught it on their computer systems. I was just like, I'm not happy and I don't care. I was showing up late for work. I was calling out. And for the first time, I was also on probation. Like who, what, like who gets on probation for lateness? But that's how bad it got. I mean, we talking or we talking, we friends or not. Right. You know how have you ever hated a job? Like I started to hate the job. I was mind you, the job was what it was, but something in me was changing. I was just so unhappy. Nothing mattered. And I just got to a point that I stopped caring. The only thing that saved me was the fact that I had one coworker that I really, really liked. And she worked in my area and she was also Caribbean. So we laughed a lot. You know how you have coworkers like that? Coworkers that become friends and they kind of just save you. They're the reason you go to work. That's what it was becoming. I had tried I had tried to apply for other positions within the company and it just never came through. My reviews were getting blah and ultimately I was bored and feeling stuck. I felt like all of a sudden my resume pigeonholed me to just fill that very specific position. And I wasn't being challenged and it just did a number on my emotions every single day. But every single day I got up and went to work. Now, if I peel back the layers of that, we about to get deep. If I peel back the layers of that, what I realized is that parent pleasers turn into people pleasers. And how that shows up in your career is that you don't know how to use your own voice to speak up for yourself, right? You don't know how to be assertive. You don't have a limit because you don't even know what you want. You're just trained to be, quote unquote, a good person, a good girl, a good, you know, you're just, oh, she's so nice. She's so good. She's so quiet. And that's what I did. I just wanted to do a good job. I didn't want to ruffle feathers. And I didn't know how to express what I wanted because in essence, it didn't, did it even matter? I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So again, people pleasers, 
avoid conflict, and they suppress what they really feel and negative emotions. And so to take it even a step further and jump ahead, that's why so many people who work alone as braiders and hairstylists have trouble saying our prices and knowing what our service is worth. (laughs) Baby, I'm onto something, right? We don't value our own wants and desires. Think about this, right? There's a self-confidence issue. So now do you see how that dream that Muhammad told me he had made sense? But what made it even more confusing was that although he told me I had no knees and told me what it meant, he also told me I was a whale. So something was trying to get through to me. And just when I reached my boiling point after six years of employment, I got called to my manager's office and I was told that day would be my last day as an employee. Ain't that some shit? Moment of silence, right? (laughs) Because I was confused, but I was excited. I was worried, but I was confident. I was having all these contradictory emotions. And I remember calling my mom and saying, guess what? Right after I left the office and signed the paper. She was like, why do you sound excited? I was like, I don't know, but I think this is amazing. And then I told her I didn't have a job and she was quiet. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know, go to Trinidad. (laughs) But right now I'm about to go to Macy's. You need anything? So I recovered shortly after that first layoffs and got two other full-time positions with other jewelry companies. One was doing inspections again and another was luxury jewelry resale. But both times I got laid off again. And both times I called my mom and I was like, guess what? (laughs) She's like, okay, this is not funny anymore. Like Camilla, this is your second job and this is your third job. What is happening? Both of those jobs, funny enough, were also barely one year of employment. So it's not worth a full story. But the point is, Everything that I knew of my career was starting to fall apart. You made me remember some things, child. Mm, I need a tissue and a sip of wine. So today's story was brought to you by divine intervention. Because let me tell you something. God's plan is always on time. And it's always bigger than yours. No matter how much you move, you can't keep running from yourself. So next time. I am definitely going to explain to you how losing my job three times became the ultimate window of opportunity and what my mother told me when I told her, guess what? I'm going to beauty school. (laughs) You are going to have to come back to hear the last part of this BC trilogy. Life beyond the braids is getting very interesting. So come back. All right. Love you. Bye.